now in the name of Jesus. God, we love you and we thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand close to you or a couple somebody's and tell them you're happy to see them in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Praise God. We're so thankful that you're here. Thankful for being, thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. And a couple of announcements, very important announcements. Our children's revival is this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with children's evangelist Phil Wagner. And it's, we're asking you to invite as many children as you can. Just go in your neighborhood and invite children to be here. Here's the schedule of services, Friday at 7 o'clock, and then Saturday at 12 p.m. It's going to be an afternoon service, and then Sunday school at 10, and then one big service here at 1045 on Sunday. After service Saturday, there will be food, bounce houses, water slide until 4 p.m. So parents, we're asking you to help us make sure your kids wear their suits and ties. Just kidding. Make sure your kids wear appropriate clothing to play and get wet on the water slide. So we're asking you to do that. Immediately after service tonight, there is a children's ministry team meeting in the prayer room with Brother and Sister Haney. So if you're on the children's ministry team, immediately after service tonight, they're asking you to meet with them in the prayer room. There will be no prayer tomorrow evening due to the many things happening this weekend. We ask that you take some time to pray with your family at home tomorrow evening. No prayer meeting here tomorrow night. Finally, uh, Brother Daryl Bailey's arrangements uh, for the funeral will be Saturday morning from 10 to 12 at Brown Butts and Deedring, which is right here on 53rd Street, and the funeral is at 12 p.m. So go by and show your respects to that family if you would please. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to gather in this house to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask God that you would help us to glorify you in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord with Sister St. Clair as she comes. I can't even talk without you.
song on my mind all day today 
It just goes like this. I'm so glad he found me. In love he bound me. He wrapped his arms around me. And he led me to that shelter. Now I'm one of his own. Oh, the joy of knowing with hearts aglowing. Someday I'm going to my home up in glory. You can return to your seats. The ushers are preparing to come tonight. We're thankful for everything that God is doing. I want to share a little story with you while they're coming. I have a dear friend that uh, I've been preaching quite a bit for um, down in Florida. And the Lord has connected us with the church there. And uh, a lot of things have transpired. I prophesied to that church a few years ago that God was going to move them into a new building. They walked into an unbelievable circumstance and situation in a building that had been church building that had been set and empty for uh, several years. Walked into that and and uh, um, they're remodeling it and getting it ready. And God is just they've had this this week, this week and last week they've had seven people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
and they're having to remodel their the old it's an old old church building and had to do a lot of extensive work to it but they're it's looking great i was just there a few days ago but he called me this morning and could hardly talk he said um uh, they have a man in their church that's a contractor and he does some work for a local physician in their area and uh, that doctor had called and said, I've got some work that I need done on this building immediately. And uh, he said, uh, how soon can you be here? And the brother said, I'll, I'll be there just, just as quick as I can get there. And he asked him when he got there, he said, what, what have you got going on in your church, your new church right now? He said, well, said we're, uh, we're just getting ready to put in $27,000 worth of brand new air conditioning. And he said, uh, we've got to get new pews for our church. And he said, how much do you think that would be? He said, well, it's going to be about $39,000. He said, will you get over here, get this work done. I'll call my CPA and I'll write you a check for that $39,000. So they got their new air conditioning and got their new pews. Come on, I'm telling you, God knows exactly where we are. Amen. And uh, I'm telling you, revival is everywhere. God's pouring out His Spirit. And I'm believing God to do great things there and here. Amen. Praise God. Lord, bless the tithe, bless the offering, bless the gift and the giver. In the name of Jesus Christ, let it be done. Amen. God bless you as you give unto the Lord tonight. I thank God in Jesus. Storms of life I'll break. I've anchored in Jesus. I fear no wind, no wave. I've anchored in Jesus. He has power to save. I've anchored. greater foundation than Jesus Christ. While you're standing, open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. If you're a guest here tonight, we give you honor tonight. Thank you for coming to worship God with us in this place. Pastor and the girls are on their way home and... Uh, they left Little Rock this morning. They'll be in here sometime tomorrow, so pray for them. Also, our student pastor and, and Sister Kate, they're on their way from Little Rock as well, so pray that God would just keep them safe and watch over them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. 
Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen to the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to take this back old school tonight. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about the blessing of boundaries. The blessing of boundaries. Now, there are a lot of avenues that we could go tonight and a lot of scriptures that I won't touch on tonight. And uh, it's, it's a big subject and I don't have a lot of time. So I'm just going to try to touch some edges here if I can. I, I'm not going to address the issue of legalism because, listen to me, principled living and understanding the motives, motives of God disable the very foundation of any legalistic intentions or accusations. What's that mean? If you just love God and live for God, you won't have to worry about being legalistic. Amen. Paul writes to the church, and he's talking to, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to the church. And uh, I, I want to talk to you about a little paradigm shift tonight. You know, it's amazing to me the attitude of the church world today. I, I'm astounded oftentimes in driving through communities and uh, seeing churches and seeing their church schedules and I'm, I'm astounded that there seems to be less and less interest in being together in the house of God than ever before. Yet the world grows darker, the system grows more evil, and there's more need for the church to be more powerful than she's ever been. Well, okay, you're dismissed. Amen. We looked at these scriptures, this particular set of scriptures a lot of times, as mandates for salvation. And I believe that all of these things are necessary to live a godly life. I also believe that living a godly life is necessary for salvation. You are not going to make it to heaven living 
just any old way. Say, preacher, who are you to say whether or not I'm going to make it to heaven? I, I'm, I'm just going to give you the word of the Lord tonight. And then you're going to have to make some decisions for yourself. But I'm telling you that there are some things that God will require. First of all, he said he's coming back after a church, after a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. That's what he said. You know, I, I was brought up in, in, in the day in the church where um, you feared God. And if you slipped up and, and uh, said a cuss word... You repented of it right then. You, you, you sure didn't go to bed with that hanging over your head because you knew that you served a God that knew where you were. He knew when you got up in the morning. He knew when you went to bed at night. He listened to every conversation that you have. And he held you accountable for that conversation. I told you I'm going to go old school, so... Just, just stay with me tonight. I'm telling you, I was brought up in the day that, that uh, uh, there was no way, no way that I was going to leave the church, walk out the door and get in my car or somebody else's car if I knew there was something in my heart that needed to be made right before I left. That's the kind of God that was presented to me, and I believe he's that kind of God. I don't believe he's the kind of God that just pats you on the head and says, that's okay, honey, you'll do better the next time. Well, <laughs> I believe living a godly life is necessary for salvation. But salvation is not the only motive for the scriptures that I just read to you. You want to know what one of the motives is? Protection. John chapter 10 and verse 9. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Just for a little context, I want to back up a little bit and look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, watch me right here. Robber is not the key word here. Forget about robber for a minute. Sheepfold is the word of note. What is the purpose of the sheepfold? So the shepherd can dominate the sheep? Absolutely not. It's not about control. If it was about control, 
We would not have been made free moral agents. So, that's not the case. Is it so the sheep can be bound? Listen, if somebody has to make you live for God, you're not going to make it. If you're not doing it because it's in your heart and you love God more than you love the world, you love God more than you love the things of this life, if you're not motivated to live for God just simply because you love the church and you love God more than you love anything else or anybody else, you're probably not going to make it. But I'm going to give you the motivation for the sheepfold The sheepfold is for protection. Jesus said, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, watch. The fence is not only to keep things in but it's to keep things out and, and I, I want to stop right here and I want to I want to do an attitude check can I do that I want to do an attitude check here if you resent the man of God for standing for truth and telling you what's right even when it goes against what you want to do, you've got a bigger issue in your life. Amen? When we, when we come to the understanding of what the sheepfold is all about, when we realize that it's for our own protection, You see, the sheepfold keeps the wolves out. Keeps the coyotes out. It keeps the sheep safe from predators. It keeps the sheep from wandering off alone. From getting isolated. That's when they are the most susceptible. Let me say to you tonight. If you're struggling, if you're going through a test or you're going through a trial, the secret and key to your circumstance is not to isolate yourself. You need to get in the sheepfold. You need to get in the church. You need to fellowship with folks like-minded. There's a whole new lesson right there. I could spend a lot of time right there. But the importance of relationships in the church is, is immeasurable. You cannot isolate in the church. You see, when sheep get alone, they are easy prey. When people get alone, away from relationship with God and godly people, they are in danger.
Now, how is this stuff related to salvation? Well, first of all, the sheep will be slaughtered without protection. If we get ourselves outside of the biblical boundaries of lifestyle and godliness, we place ourselves at the mercy of the wolves of this world. If we allow the influences, hear me right here, of the world to become a part of who we are, we lose sight of godliness and holiness and we will be lost. But if we stay in the sheepfold, the shepherd is always near the sheepfold if the sheep are in it. It's time that we as the church change the way we look at the boundaries that we live by. We need to quit worrying about making them heaven and hell issues. And thank God for the protection that they provide for us. We, we have this word that we mentioned in Pentecost. It's simply called standards. One of the most powerful things that I can tell you about standards is that standards won't necessarily get you into heaven, but they may very well keep you out of hell. I, I told you that this is going to be old school. Why is that, Bishop? Because they are boundaries of protection. They keep you in the presence of God. They keep you close to the shepherd. They keep you close to the fold. There are no stragglers that are going to make it to heaven. They keep your mind on God. They keep your attitudes right. Before God. They're not rules and regulations. They're boundaries of protection. I'm talking about boundaries tonight. It's a blessing to have boundaries. Look what all the boundaries prevent. Look at all the things that they keep out of your life. Look at all the things that you don't have to worry about. Thank God for the blessing of boundaries. There's a principle of modesty. And it, it, put your seatbelts on. Here we go. We don't talk about this a lot. You know, there are some pastors that don't talk about this at all. Because they don't want to offend anybody. Well, I didn't come here on a Wednesday night to offend anyone. But I did come here tonight to tell you that there's some things that God requires of us. Now, unless you're blind or from another planet, you may conceivably have missed the fact that modesty has disappeared. My wife and I laugh all the time. We, 
You know, we, of course, we have terrible winters in Indiana. I know, I know, I'm getting old, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't like winter anymore. If I don't ever see another snowflake, I'm good. But my wife and I laugh because at the first sign of sunlight and just a little bit of warmth, folks can't wait to get naked. And, and I want to I stop them sometime and just say, would you please put that away? That is not flattering. Modesty is dead and buried in our world. If you don't think so, go shopping with a teenager. Now, listen to me. I'm going to give you some definitions of what modesty is not. You ready? Modesty is not bashfulness. Modesty chooses to keep certain things private and does so out of respect for others as well as yourself. heard somebody say one time, they was talking about a fellow they seen, and he, they were out shopping, and said this fellow had on a t-shirt and had a big old belly, and his belly was sticking out from underneath his t-shirt. And they said, uh, said uh, it would have made a freight train take a dirt road. <laughs> Modesty is not hear me now, is not shame. Modesty is motivated by self-respect and appreciation for one's own body. And it's because of that bodily self-respect that the modest individual keeps it private. Now I know I know I'm about to step off in some deep water right here. But I'm going to tell you, you can be apostolic. And if you walk into a church service or a Walmart or a grocery store and what you have on shows every line of what you have on under what you have on, it is not modest. And I, I, I might just interject while I'm out here. I might just interject, Mama and Daddy, you're still choosing what your sons and daughters put on. If you're still feeding them and you're still supplying lights and heat and air conditioning, you choose what they wear and what they don't wear. I told you I was going to be old school. 
Now, modesty is dressing, acting, or speaking with propriety, respect, and moderation. Propriety means proper or regarding divine and social considerations. I'm going to talk to, I'm going to talk to some husbands here right now. My wife and I have been married for 47 years. And I'm just going to tell you there's some things about my wife that I don't want anybody else in the world to know. Nor do I want anybody else in the world to see. Everybody okay? Modesty is dressing, acting, speaking with propriety, respect, and moderation. Propriety. Divine means to give no place for youthful lust. Social means to look like a lady. Our society may ignore it, but they still know what a lady looks like. Immodesty is apparel, action, or speech which is ostentatious, vain, provocative, sensual, which thereby reveals a carnal, worldly, or unsanctified heart. Modesty deals with more than just mere dress, however. A woman can cover her whole body and act immodestly and provoke thoughts and even actions in men. And vice versa. Modesty, in fact, is a matter of the heart. If your heart is modest in its intentions, it will reflect modesty in every facet of your life. But not necessarily vice versa. In Christ is Christ, however, the Lord of your closet. Let me ask that question again. Is Christ the Lord of your closet? First Thessalonians 4 and 1. Finally then, brethren, we beseech you, we exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel 
in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not men. Despiseth what? Holiness. Despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. 1 John 2 and 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Paul addresses the issue of modesty in 1 Timothy 2, but not before he addressed some manly issues. This is what he said, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore I want the men, everybody say the men, the men in every place to lift up holy hands and pray without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Everybody okay? Everybody says in the book. His first address is to the men. Men, I'm going to stop right here and take a little aside. Your women ought not be leading you and your household in prayer and in worship and in faithfulness to God and in holiness. Paul said, I need some men that will lift up holy hands. Why holy hands? Because the hands, watch it, are driven by the mind. The work of the hands will be a reflection of what's on your mind. It's true, period. It's true. Maybe you won't do some things out in public so people can't see you. A picture of holiness is for everyone to see. It's not not a new thing. It's been forever. I I preached in churches. I I preached in churches that primarily the whole congregation was women. 
But I, this church is different. This church is full of men that have the capability and the ability to be able to lead your family into a move of God. It's so important that we realize that as dads, we set boundaries in our family. And we ought not put mom in the position that she has to be the one that does all the decision making. Woo, it's getting quiet up in here. My, you've heard pastor talk about his childhood. But, but I'm just going to tell you that my kids understood. They understood the boundaries. Now, I'm not going to tell you they never walked outside the boundaries. But they understood them. And they did understand that if you do walk outside the boundaries, there's consequences. You know, that, that goes contrary to, to this generation that we live in. We want to be able to do what we want to do, say what we want to say, go where we want to go, and nobody say anything about it. But I'm going to tell you the church is not so. I said the church is not so. I reiterate to you the actions of the hands will reflect the condition of the heart. If you're not worshiping God when you're here and when you're not here, there's something wrong on the inside. Oh, somebody help me right here. I want to ask you men, are your hands holy? Men are the most likely to engage in lustful thoughts and activities. It's no secret. We've talked about it for years how it seems as though the Word of God is, is, uh, is much harder on ladies than it is men when it comes to the things that we're talking about tonight. But there's a reason for that. Because men... Don't know how to control themselves. And if you put something in front of them, their lust will be incited. Woo-wee. I've only got 20 more pages, just stay with me. What men see on a woman will provoke thoughts in his mind, like it or not. What men see on women can contribute to a problem in their own lives. It can and will cause it to be more difficult to lift holy hands. Now, to the women, he says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. 
Here's another version of that. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. Adorn yourselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly. Modest apparel is what King James said. What is the meaning of proper? It's, it's a subjective word relative to a particular situation. What is the measuring stick for proper here? 1 Timothy 2 and 9 said modest and discreet. So society at large is the measuring stick. If it's immodest, it's improper. If it's gaudy and pretentious, it's improper. Now, let's go back to our definition of modesty. Modesty is dressing, acting, or speaking with propriety. That means properly, respect, and moderation. Moderation is not the point of extravagance. In other words, let me just say this. If when you... If when you get dressed to go somewhere, church for instance, if your motivation is to get anybody else's attention but God's, it's probably immodest. Discreetly, he said. Not obnoxious, not boastful, not in vanity, not a show-off. Not to draw attention to oneself. Not to attract attention to particular parts of the body. Not to attract attention in an improper way. Discreet. Discreet. Not intentionally attracting attention. I ask you again. Is Christ the God of your closet? If He is, you will not draw improper attention to yourself in your attire. Let's talk about the blessing of modesty. If you dress modestly, ladies... You're less likely to have men looking you up one side and down the other. If you like doing that, you've got a heart problem. Modesty is not the issue. If you dress inappropriately, you will garner unwanted and unintended attention. Or... You wanted it and intended to get that attention, and that's the reason for your attire. Ooh. I, don't, I don't understand parents who let their teenage daughters wear mini skirts. They can't sit down, can't bend over. Got guys walking around with drool running down the sides of their chins. Shorts so short that 
They leave nothing, nothing for the imagination. Tight clothing, dresses, shirts, anything else. It's no wonder. And please forgive me. But it's true. It's no wonder that our world is filled with all kinds of sexual abuses and sins. They're showing off everything they possibly can and then wonder why guys can't wait to get in the back seat of the car. It's a sin. It's a sin to dress in such a way that causes men to lust after you. People need to see God, not you, when they look at you. And if you dress to attract attention, there's a heart problem. But modest dress. Everybody say modest dress. Modest dress provides a safeguard against that. In general, if you see one of your youth group out, people are going to say they don't get involved in that kind of stuff. What you wear sends a message. Discreet, modest, appropriate. The blessing of modesty is protection. I, 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 can't, I can't stress it enough how much safety and protection there is in the church. You, you don't you say, well, Bishop, don't you think things happen to people in the church? Of course. But I'm telling you that there are protections that are built in to living for God, looking like God wants you to look, speaking like God wants you to speak, that you can't get anywhere else. I could go on and on about it. It's a blessing to be modest. Our wives and daughters are less likely to be raped. They're not going to label us with lewd and derogatory names because of what we wear. They're going to know that we're trying to serve God. They're going to see the Lord in us and not our physical features. It's a blessing to be modest. Look at all the benefits that we enjoy from being modest. But the reality of it is, is the Bible teaches modesty as a way of life for men and women. Nature tells us that men are far more sensitive to the way women appear than women are to men's appearance. That's why the appearance of women is addressed more pointedly in the Word of God. But make no mistake, the principles of modesty apply to men as well. We need to look at the separation of sexes as part of modesty. Nobody wants to talk about this today. Because modesty implies appropriateness. 
Deuteronomy 22 and 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now look, those aren't my words. You have to argue with the word of God if you want to argue. Our society has drawn this line. It's been drawn for thousands of years. I won't get into a lot of details, but just because culture has thrown away modesty and separation of sexes is not the reason for the church to change its stance on this. Those are strong words. The writer in Deuteronomy said it's an abomination. It makes God sick at his stomach. It makes him need to throw up if God throws up. Is it sin? Is, is, is God going to send you to hell? Shouldn't even be the question. Shouldn't even be the question. That's a question that drives me nuts. Shouldn't the question be, if it makes God sick, why should I do it? Should not the question be, if it pleases God, why would I not do it? Say, man, preacher, I'm going to go find me a church that let me do what I want to do. Good luck with that. I'm just giving you the word of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not varying from that. You see, if we make this about heaven and hell, we have to go back to the sheepfold and say, the fence is for control and not protection. If we make the sheepfold about control, we take away our status as free moral agents and conflict the very foundation of mankind, the garden choices. He put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you can have anything you want but that. He gave them choices to do right or to do wrong. You got the same choices. You can be obedient to the word of God and follow the word of God. Or you can live your life how you want to and walk contrary to the word of God. Each one of those have consequences. I, 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 truly, I truly believe that these types of things became heaven and hell issues because we found them in the Word of God. We knew them to be true, but did not understand God's motives behind the principles. The only thing we knew to say is it's a sin to cross the boundary, and for many boundaries, it's a sin, and you'll be judged. But judgment is not the motive. We've got to get beyond the judgment aspect and see God's true intention is to bless and protect. Anytime you find yourself living within boundaries to avoid judgment, you very likely have not grasped the true principle yet. Now the fun begins. 
Now we know the principles. Modesty, separation of sexes. We now know the scriptures for the boundaries. We know the blessing of protection. But where are the lines of the boundaries? I'm going to read some things to you tonight. No, I'm not. I'm going to leave that. But I want to tell you that there there are some lines of modesty that this church has established. I'm not going to take the liberty to address all of those, but I'm telling you that this church stands for separation from the world. We don't want to look like the world, not because we're better than the world, We don't want to act like the world, not because we judge the world because of our actions. We don't want to speak like the world. We're doing all of those things because we want to please God. We're not in this to please man. We're not in this to please our pastor. We're in this because we want to please God. And the only way to please God God is this way. This is what he said. If you love me, you will keep my commandment. Everybody say the blessing of boundaries. Something... that God hates, never changes. What's that mean, Bishop? If he hated it then, he hates it now. It doesn't doesn't matter if the conditions have changed. God never changes. He said... I'm God, and I change not. Now, do we take Deuteronomy 22 and 5 and say that because there are other things listed that were do's and don'ts in that same chapter that are no longer applicable? The prohibition of blurring of sexes as related to clothing is no longer valid? There's still a separation. I said there's still a separation. The blending of sexes is the only thing listed in the chapter that is abominable to God. Moral law versus ceremonial law. Moral law never changes. The cross ended ceremonial law. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm I'm, I'm just about finished. I'm going to ask you a little question here. I I want you to put on your little thinking cap right here for just a minute. I want you to think about the condition that our world is in right now. I want you to think about all of the LGBTQI plus whatever all of that is. I want you to think about, uh, I want you to think about 
what their target is right now. I want you to think about what their target is right now. They're not, they're not going to colleges. They're not going to vocational schools. You know where they're trying to get in? Our elementary schools. They're trying to get folks to agree to let our children have sex changes at the age that they don't even know anything about what they're supposed to be or who they're supposed to be. Now, you got, you got to stay with me right here. I want you to think about, you know, this, this isn't political at all. It's moral. I'm telling you right now that, that we've got to do everything we can to pr- protect our children from this evil, dark system. Do you, do you understand? Do you understand that there are some powers that be that would simply take your ability to raise your children the way they need to be raised out of your hands? There are some in this locale that would like to take your voice out of the life of your own children. I, I, I just I, I just want us to think just a minute because there's some things, some protections that are built in here. Mom and dad, listen to your bishop very closely. Listen to your bishop very closely. Do not, do not give in to your children to do the things of this world. You know, the devil plays this mind game with us. It's how how he got Eve to fall in the garden. He plays this mind game with us. That, Well, just, just look what you're missing. Just look what you're missing. I I know it's great to have access to all this other stuff, but what about that one thing? Why would God want to keep that from you? It must be something special to that, or God wouldn't want you to wouldn't want you to wouldn't want to keep that away from you. Come on. Mom and Dad, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you as a man that's raised children, a man that has six grandchildren. I'm pleading with you in the Holy Ghost. If you need to go further right, go further right. But do not give your children the option to go the way of the world, to do what the world does, to look at what the world looks at. Come on, I'm asking you, get your mind open to the Spirit of the Lord and let the presence of God and the Spirit of the Lord direct you and lead you and guide you. I'm telling you, they are our hope for the future. And if we let the world have them, we won't have a future. It's a blessing. 
in boundaries. Stand with me. It's a blessing in being modest. Men, you need to be leaders. I said you need to be leaders. Say, well, you know, Bishop, I, I don't see anything wrong with this or anything wrong with that. Watch out. Watch out. You're headed for trouble. I'm telling you, there's some apostolic pastors and churches that are in trouble right now. Right now. The world has invaded their space because a man of God wouldn't stand for what we learned from men of God of old, Brother Shaw. They taught us what was right. And it kept us and preserved us and protected us. And it still will. I'm going to tell you something. You are so blessed to have a 41-year-old pastor that stands like he stands for holiness and separation and modesty and godliness. I have folks... Talk to me, men, talk to me all over the country, and I'll make the statement to them very quickly. Listen, I don't know what the rest of the world's going to do, but I'm going to tell you one thing. When it's all said and done and everything shakes out, Luke St. Clair is going to be apostolic from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take a little credit right now. It's because early on in his life, we set boundaries in his life and we said, that's as far as you can go, and you're not going any farther. I'm just, I'm pleading with some parents. I'm pleading with some parents tonight. Take those babies in a prayer room somewhere in your home. And kneel down with them and pray with them and plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. And set boundaries in their lives that you will refuse to let them cross. And you won't regret it. I said you won't regret it. I, 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 don't, I, I don't apologize for the word tonight, but if I offended you, just come to me and let me know. And, and we'll, go, we'll go get a hamburger together and you can buy. That's the only way to get things right. Isn't that right? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this great church. God, I'm asking you, God, to let us remain as you would have us to be. God, that we would please you and not the world. That we would follow after you and not our flesh. And God, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us into revival like we've never seen before. God is a church separated unto you. I pray, God, that you would bless this people. Bless these parents. Bless our children. Let your hand rest upon them, God. Help us to walk within the boundaries of your word. Because there's safety and blessing in those boundaries. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.